there was a time that if you wanted to talk to someone on their phone, you had to get them while they were sitting at their desk or you had to get them while they were at home. In one of those two fixed locations, if you missed them or they weren't there, there was no talking to that person. Back in 1996, there were cell phones around, but I didn't have one. And myself and two colleagues got into a car to take a six-hour drive for a meeting. Ten minutes after we left, the people at the destination phoned my office and said, don't bother coming, the meeting's been cancelled. In 1996, with no cell phone, we got this vital piece of information six hours later as we arrived on the coast for our meeting. If you have a teenage child, someone who's 10, 11, 12, 13 years old, and try and explain to them that there was once a world where this instant form of communication didn't exist, you would struggle for them to comprehend what you mean. How do, you know, someone who's just grown up with the internet around them, that same confusion, that same difficulty you have trying to explain that to a young person today is the same difficulty you had explaining it to anybody back in 1992 or 1993 when the internet was at its infancy, when the internet had just, was just starting to become a thing. So if you, and I remember having these conversations in 95 or 96 where you know, there was this thing called the internet and all these computers around the world were connected to each other. So there was a massive amount of information that you had access to. And because there was no frame of reference, it was a confusing concept. Today we know, we don't really think much about the technology. Everyone is connected, everyone's on the internet. All we know is that you know, we've got to have lots of signals for Wi-Fi and there's got to be lots of bars for 4G if, if we're not on Wi-Fi. And beyond that, very few people understand the technology, but they know how it works. They know that it works, that I can take a picture and share it on WhatsApp with a group of people or just one person or put it on Instagram or Snapchat or Twitter, whatever the case may be. And we're not getting too involved in how does this computer talk to that one? And then when I save a document on my computer now, how does it talk to this thing in the cloud and then talk to my phone so that the same thing is there? We just know it happens. Our behavior has gotten to the point where we just accept that it is there. Today, you can't go anywhere without hearing about blockchain. And I'm not going to be talking at all about cryptocurrency because I think few people understand that less than they do the blockchain. Keep in mind that the technology of it can be very difficult to comprehend just because like the internet 25, 30 years ago, we have no frame of reference. We can't imagine how something like this would work because we're so, we, uh, we're so fixed on how things work now. But know this, the technology to do what I'm about to describe does exist. It is being used right now. It is starting to change the world in interesting ways and I believe over the medium term is going to have a significant impact. We overestimate the impact of a technology in the short term but tend to underestimate its, the impact it's going to have in the long term. And the best description I've heard is that the blockchain is like a smartphone and cryptocurrencies is an app on that smartphone. The smartphone can do so much more than just run an app for cryptocurrency. So that is the blockchain. It has implications in every, in every industry, similar to the way the internet did. So for centuries, humans have been transacting with one another. 
uh, in the day, in early days, this was simple. We bartered. I have a couple of pigs. You've got a bunch of eggs. I give you the pigs. You give me the eggs or the chickens or whatever. It's nice and easy. The transaction's clean. How many pigs for how many eggs? We settle the deal right there and we move along. But as economies grew and people started trading with each other over distance, there had to be a system of trust. You know, how do I trust that you know, if I'm going to send you chickens that you will actually send me the pigs or the eggs in return? Uh, so there had to be a way, a third person, a third party who could facilitate the trade that both of us who were trading could trust. So enter the world of the ledger where there was a recording. So I hand over three pigs to someone and he makes a note in a ledger and says three pigs received from Ryan uh, for delivery to Dave. I then the third party goes to Dave and he receives three chickens and he notes it in the ledger. Pigs handed over to Dave, three chickens collected and so it can come back to me. So there was a record of the transactions. And this is very important. If, we're, if business is going to continue and go on, there has to be a trusted record of how we transact, what sort of transactions were done, who transacted with whom. Um, so in, in the past, for centuries, ledgers were handwritten. Uh, probably at some point they were chiseled on some tablets. But they were kept safe by an inter intermediary, a trusted third party who would look after these ledgers. And today, those trusted intermediaries, those third parties are people like accountants, lawyers, or banks or maybe even a trusted friend. There are various databases around the world that facilitate human transactions, and we transact every day on a multitude of things, whether it's buying airtime on your cell phone, buying data, buying a house, buying a car, uh, buying something, anything, every time you swipe your credit card. There are billions of transactions happening every day that need to be recorded. And most importantly, when it comes to money, the system needs to ensure that I don't spend money twice. If I pay you a hundred bucks for something, I can't immediately then go to somebody else and pay them the same hundred rand. There has to be a way to note that I've spent the hundred and that you've got the hundred. So let's take buying a house. Many of us have done this. Many of us understand the basic idea of buying a house. So when a house goes on the market, all the details of that house are recorded at the deeds office. Who bought it, how much it was bought for last, who owned it before, it's whole, the whole history of the ownership of that house. But essentially, a lawyer, someone in the middle has to be paid for the job of updating that record. And it takes time and it costs money. Everything sits at the deeds office. How do we know, how can we trust the integrity of that record. In theory, someone could hack into that database and change the information to suit their own ends for whatever reason. Or it might be through sheer negligence where there's a fire or something happens and there hasn't been adequate uh, contingency made to keep the record safe or to have copies or backups of it. So the record disappears, the whole history of that house is now gone, or it's been changed, it's not accurate, I'm not sure that I can trust it. But imagine having thousands of copies of that ledger around, distrib distributed around the world. So if one, somebody set fire to one, or the system crashed, or someone hacked it, there would be thousands of other copies that could see that the integrity had been changed in some way and reject any change or any loss. The idea of having thousands of copies of the ledger is the blockchain. 
The most common words you will hear when people are describing it is it is a distributed or decentralized ledger. And how this works, it is literally a chain of blocks. A bunch of information is stored. Let's take the buying and selling of houses. Um, and over a period of time, that information is stored in a block and it is then secured and a new block is started and information is then stored. Now, the integrity of the second block depends on the first, so it can't stand alone. It is in a chain with the, with the other. Let's not, don't get sidetracked by or confused by the technology involved, but it is at the same time a transparent ledger, which means everyone can see it and see transactions happening, but it is also incredibly secure and anonymous. So personal information is not available for everyone, but the fact that a transaction happened between person A and person B is incredibly transparent and available, and which makes it, again, difficult to tamper with or to change. So. A block of information is completed, is secured and locked, and a new block is started. This is, think about it again, let's go back to the ledger. So when the page of a ledger is full, you start a new page. Now all the numbers and the transactions on the second page may not make sense unless you can refer back to the first page. So that really was a paper blockchain. This is computerized and digitized. So that is the simplicity of what the blockchain does. It now, any industry that involves an intermediary is now being challenged. Here are a couple of industries that I think are going to be impacted by the blockchain. Firstly, advertising. Advertising, the whole model of advertising as it is today is, I believe, fundamentally un unsustainable and broken. And Facebook makes all its money through advertising by harvesting my data and selling that data on for advertising. So if I want to advertise to people who live in Johannesburg or New York who are between the age of 25 and 34, Facebook is fantastic for this. But we're using Facebook for, Facebook for free with the understanding that our data is then being used so that we can be advertised to. And people get quite emotional about this. They, they think it's terrible. They think it's a horrible invasion of privacy. Everyone has an opinion about it, but that's how it works. Google is kind of similar. They've built a monstrosity of a company through the advertising model. The blockchain has the potential to restore privacy or ownership of data back to you as an individual where you own your data and you sell it imagine a world where advertisers are paying you directly to see their adverts rather than paying facebook or google or whatever they're you know you you've you've agreed uh, to pass on personal information of yours you then get advertising that's incredibly relevant and you're paid to engage with those, that advertising what the blockchain resolves, one of the biggest issues in marketing is how do you measure the return of investment for digital advertising? And digital advertising is far better than traditional advertising in newspaper, print, billboards, and so on, but it still is a little bit murky. How do you know exactly? There's a massive problem of bots, robots on the internet, on Twitter and on Facebook, engaging ads rather than real people. And there are clicks, there are shares, there are likes, there are retweets, and there's a belief that this is engagement from customers, where in truth it's just an army of bots. The blockchain can resolve it, where they, we can actually track the whole, the whole chain of, of advertising. Who saw it? 
How do they engage? What do they do through that engagement? And all with the potential of you as an individual having control of who sees what data. The other, as, as consumers, we're becoming more and more concerned about what, what we purchase. What is the history of this? Is it, is it ethical? Is it clean? Is it legit? Is it, has it been good for the environment? And with the blockchain, again, tracking the development or the manufacture of, of the entire supply chain of a product can be tracked and be instantly available so that we can be assured that the products we're buying or the things we're engaging with are legit. So that's one industry where we talk about a new normal. There's a new normal coming in advertising. Now let's think about medical records. If you've been to the doctor recently, if you've been to a new doctor recently, you were probably shocked and horrified to see that the doctor opened a paper file and recorded in pen, or we've had you record in pen all of your medical details. Now this may be helpful to him, and, and probably most these days, to be fair, are then capturing it onto, a, onto some kind of database for their use. But then you move city, you move country, and you have to see a new doctor. Getting those medical records is, very, is, is complicated. And if you've seen multiple doctors, it's almost impossible. No single doctor has your complete medical history. The blockchain, again, could resolve this. Your medical records on the blockchain, easily accessible, but at the same time very secure, that you control. So if you move countries, you move cities, you, access, you, you uh, see a new doctor, and you can give that doctor access to your complete medical history. This is a massive problem around the world, incomplete medical histories. People have died because we didn't have complete medical histories and the wrong prognosis, the wrong diagnosis, the wrong treatments treatments were given. So that is another area where a new normal is coming. And then probably one of the greatest, I hate to use the word threat because that's, uh, it gives a negative connotation, but where, where we're questioning the relevance of intermediaries, uh, lawyers, accountants, uh, anything, banks even, you know, having centralized, anything that has, is an intermediary or holds some sort of centralized ledger. And this is smart contracts. Uh, now the idea, the terminology of smart contract has been around for a couple of years. And really what a smart contract is, is a digital program. It's a computer program that sits in the blockchain and it, and it executes automatically. Let's think about Kickstarter. You have a brilliant idea, a product or an idea, a movie you want to make, and you put it out on Kickstarter and you look for people who are keen to invest. And there's a target to reach. Let's say that target is $10,000. And once the target is released, that money is reached, that money is released to you and you can get going manufacturing your product or developing it or making your movie. Right now, we have to trust that Kickstarter will look after that money, that they will be, uh, they will be the, a, a trusted third party that once uh, the target is reached, they will release the money. Or alternatively, if the target is not reached, give the money back to all the potential investors. Of course, Kickstarter takes a fee for this. With the blockchain, you could remove that completely with a smart contract. A digital program is put on the blockchain that says, I want to raise $10,000, and this is what it's for, this is how it works, and people donate, probably using cryptocurrency, just to refer a little bit back to that. And once the target is reached, the contract automatically executes and the money is released to me. Or a, a date, is reached where the, where the funds are not raised and it is automatically, without any intermediary, 
distributed back to everyone who paid because it was obviously now a failed campaign. So let's go back to the house. This could all be done with a smart contract. You know, you put a contract on the blockchain, so I'm selling a house with this amount of money, um, and, you know, we negotiate a deal. Money is paid in. The transaction is instant. That satisfies, you know, the, the digital program executes and transfers the house into my name and gives you and transfers the money to you automatically. Think about, uh, you know, with if you're renting a house, you know, there's all sorts of things you have to go through to to rent a house these days, and you want to make sure that it's safe. Um, this could all be done with a smart contract, that once, you know, I come into the house, I do my inspection, there's a preloaded inspection, I verify against that, and once I tick all the boxes, it kind of executes, and let's say, un then unlocks the doors or gives me permanent access to the house. Um, I decide I want to use the Wi-Fi that's in the house. Well, that's another aspect of another part of the contract, and I could activate that on the blockchain and pay for it, and the digital program, the smart contract, executes on the chain and unlocks access to the Wi-Fi, and so it goes. And that fairly simply is a smart contract. The blockchain applies and will have relevance anywhere in the world where intermediaries are required. And probably its most significant potential impact is in voting. Voting is a controversial issue everywhere there is democracy, everywhere where voting happens. We worry about stuffing ballot boxes, we worry about ballot boxes being stolen, about people being pressured. The blockchain provides the means for people to be digitally identified and they can then vote on the blockchain. And in theory, do it from the comfort of your home or wherever you are in the world, and your vote would be 100% secure. Already in Sweden, they're starting to experiment with this and to see how the blockchain could, could impact how they vote. But importantly, the technology of it is emerging. The technology is growing but let's not be burdened by or overly confused by the technology. The simplicity of the blockchain is it is a ledger, an accurate recording, a secure recording of every transaction that is distributed around the world which makes it very difficult to hack, to tamper with, or to change. Now, some people have said that it's going to return trust to the world because it's a trusted medium. Um, but I think more it's it, what it's doing is it's going to automate trust where I don't have to know you or necessarily trust you in order to transact because there is a platform, there's a system in place that allows us to do honest, trusted business with each other. And while there's a lot of hype around it now and all everything being said about the blockchain may not come to pass, it is going to have an enormous impact on every industry, in every business. It is going to revolutionize how business is done and how the internet works over the next 10 to 15 years. So that's been a relatively short layman's description of what the blockchain is and why I think it is contributing and will contribute even further to a new normal in anything that involves an intermediary. This is going to have massive impact in the world over the next 10 to 15 years. This has been The New Normal with Ryan Hogarth. If you want any more information about, about the blockchain, about technology, how the new normal is going to impact you and your business in the years to come, please 
do get in touch. My contact details are easy to find down in the descriptions. Uh, so get in touch and let's chat.